0: Hi, Filmatics. Welcome to the show, thanks so much for tuning in. Today we have a very special guest. We have Daniel Stern. He's a comedian, actor, screenwriter, and the founder of PodFest Berlin. Ooh, we gotta ask him about that. So let's welcome the show. Hi, Daniel.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me.
0: (laughs) It's really great to have you here. Um, so where are you at, um, recording with me today?
1: Um, right now I'm in my parents' living room, um, not because all my dreams have failed, but just because I'm visiting them. We have a, a new baby to show off. I live in Berlin, Germany, and uh, so now we, we every once a year or less if there's a pandemic going on, uh, we hit the West Coast to see my partner's family. East Coast for um, for mine, and then then we try and shove in a, a wedding or a bar mitzvah or whatever else we can we can manage to do while we're still here.
0: Ah, oh, that's so beautiful. So so you said you were in. Um, uh, I'm sorry, you were uh, not Boston, but you were in uh,
1: Western Massachusetts. It's, it's uh, Northampton. Um, it's if you've if you've ever heard of it, it's the home of Smith College and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
0: Oh, so. how fun! So, congratulations yeah. on your baby, your first baby.
1: Thank you. A uh, second now.
0: Oh, um, okay. You're uh, yeah. gonna. They, they should. Um. Um. How old are they?
1: Uh, the older is five. The younger is four months. Oh. So, yeah, we took our time in between, and you know, it was, it was sort of the second one's a like a lockdown hobby. You know, some people do uh sourdoughs and things. We were like, oh, let's make a person. <laughs>
0: Well, um, maybe your kids can listen to enchanting book readings podcast because um,
1: absolutely, yeah, there's
0: lots of kids' stories, and it's ranked one percent globally. So uh, people in Berlin like it, and <laughs> and all yeah. around the world. So hopefully they like it. But um, so let's talk about you and all these fabulous things you're doing. And so I want to ask you: so you're you're from the United States, and now you're in Berlin. You were a former talk show host, a retired competitive eater. We got to talk about that screenwriter, actor, and stand-up comedian. So I want to yeah. ask you first, like, um, so, you know, when you're a little kid, like, what was some of your favorite films growing up?
1: I mean, I was born in 1980, so, like, the films that, that defined childhood were, of course, like, the Lucas and Spielberg, you know, Momentum, you know, it was, it was, I'll never forget the first time I had Star Wars. Uh, when I first time I saw Star Wars, my older cousins pulled me aside. They're like, you haven't seen this movie. And just the fact that they're talking to me is already super exciting. We were, we were in Detroit visiting family. And, and I'm like, "I no, I, 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 I've never seen it. They're like, well, the, we go, we ask my parents, is he allowed to watch it? They say, sure. They put in the VHS tape. And then someone handed me a package of Starburst candies okay i grew up in a very tofu household so now all of a sudden i've got this sugar rush and this star wars rush and i i don't know what year that was i don't know how old it is but it's like if it's not my first memory it's my third you know um so that that was it and then you know of course the indiana jones and all of all of those things um and then i think the first sort of well, let's call it um, art, art, artsy film that ever really spoke to me was uh, Time Bandits. Um, like a really incredible like Terry Gilliam, you know, children's movie that just um, terrified and excited me. Um, and then I'd say the other the other really memorable film of my childhood that I would watch again and again was Tron, uh, which just the fantasy and the science fiction of that, like, that's, again, and I, I'd say oh, there's, of the movies I loved as a child, I'll watch any of them right now. Um, you know, they're movies that hold up or or that I find new things in.
0: Yeah, yeah, there were the best, like, Gremlins and Goonies. And it's so funny, you had Starburst watching Star Wars. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah a, star, a star-studded evening at um, at my in my cousin's living room.
0: Back in the day when they had VHS tapes, I don't even know if our our audience knows what VHS tapes are, but they were like literally little tapes that like you, you pushed into your TV had like a little attachment where you put these tapes and then, then they had like the discs, the DVDs, and now everything's streaming from your computer. And it's just amazing how fast that went, right? Like the technology just zoomed through.
1: It's, it's fun to still once in a while, hold actual physical media in your hand because those things were treasures like there's a shelf in my parents house still where I have my old VHS tapes and I'm like, no, you can't get rid of them. Yes, they are useless. No, they do not look better than what I can stream. They don't sound better, but like, you know, there's a box art and there's, there's just, I remember the feeling of holding it and you can't, you can't really replace that, even though you can upgrade every single aspect of the experience now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's wonderful. So, um, and then, so you're growing up, um, you said you grew up, where did you grow up then?
1: I, I grew up, I grew up in North, I was born in Detroit, Michigan. And then okay. I, I grew up in Northampton, Massachusetts. Um, we just, my dad sort of found this town. He left in, in like the Volkswagen van, pulled into gas up. And the guy at the station said, yep, it's a good place to raise a family. So he like got on a pay phone. You can explain that to your audience as well and said, all right, this is where we're living. And, um, that was That's how we ended up in western Massachusetts, and it was a great place to grow up. I mean, it was a town that, you know, had co- gone through being, you know, a, a mill town and whatever. It has a history, you know, Sylvester Graham, the inventor of the graham cracker, lived here. And, you know, my kindergarten was the first free kindergarten in America, I think. And, you know, just, there's like that old, that history of, you know, post-colonial America or colonial America. And um but then there's there was it went through enough downtimes so that it could be taken over by artists and hippies and you know, it was the the place where they invented the teenage mutant ninja turtle. So
0: you oh know my that's gosh. and a ground. That's cracker. a landmark. that yeah. I mean, I love Samora, so thank you for inventing that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think every fire um either has marshmallows or some more or some more attempt. <laughs>
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a tricky thing. Either you're too young uh, to to keep them from burning, or eventually <laughs> you're just too drunk. So it's there's a small window where you can make a decent s'more.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes like your your marshmallow just catches on fire and it's all scalded. You're like, no. But then you're like, hey, if I take the crust off that scalded, it's all gooey in the middle. So you kind of learn like the exactly. tricks, right?
1: <laughs> that is the if you don't mind the waste of that, you know, or you have like a you know a weird friend who will eat it or an uncle, you know, like that's not wasteful, but yeah, that gooey one, when you've just caught fire is kind of the best.
0: <laughs> yeah, and um, thank goodness they invented that graham cracker. So I'm gonna ask you, so um, did you have a favorite director that you were thinking about or, or actor? Cause, or you liked like, comed- you, you went to be a comedian. So did you, yeah. how did you learn about comedy or comedians? Did-
1: yeah, I mean, I have, so again, early memories of watching stand-up so the again i don't know it's like the old technology hour with daniel stern but we had this box on top of the tv and there was 15 buttons that went across the top of it to select the channel and then there was a toggle on the right side where you had up middle and down so you (laughs) could have one through 15 you know 16 through 30 and then 31 through 45 and i remember being young enough that i couldn't remember the numbers but i remember there being this sort of channel in the middle on the right side where you could find stand-up comedy and this was before Comedy Central. It was some regional channel like the Comedy Channel, or had some name like that. And they would just kind of play these videos of like Dom Herrera hosting at Carolines, and people would come up or or local stuff. And there was just bits I would just take and run around the house doing. And and my parents, I now I remember some of them, and like they're completely inappropriate to be coming out of the. You know, it's like, you know, it's it's like there's jokes that don't hold up. Now that's you know no longer the eighties and there's jokes that definitely weren't appropriate for a child to say. So um, and then I kind of lost track of of stand up um, for a while until I moved to Berlin and uh, part of my entry was through the like R-rated films of like the two thousands and that sort of come back and then I was isolated in the new city, not knowing anyone, not having any friends, and then I would sort of type in actors' names into iTunes. And then I kind of discovered podcasting and rediscovered stand-up, you know, um, I think through through those, that world, and that sort of became what I did in that city. And like in a city where you had opportunity to just pursue the arts unfettered and encouraged. Um, well, that how, was sort how, of like my journey back to it.
0: Yeah, well, how'd you get to Berlin? Like you're, you're in Massachusetts you're, you're yep. a little kid, like barely able to touch the buttons. And then, so did yeah. your family move there or you went to college or?
1: No, I ended up in Berlin. Um, I'd been living in Portland, Oregon. I got married, but when I married, got a job in Berlin, uh, postdoctoral research. And the idea was, oh, we'll go there for like a year or two, you know? And then it's like six more months, six more, yeah, okay, one, okay, two more, you know? And then it's sort of like. Now you're like, oh my God! Over a decade went by. Like, what? What is going on here? Um, this is where I live. This is like, I don't know how to live anywhere else at this point. Um, and and that's that was a, a turned out to be a wonderful journey for me. I I, I kind of went there kicking and screaming because I loved Portland. Um, but now I'll be kicking and screaming when I when we move wherever we move next.
0: Oh wow! And then and then so you um. And how did your Podfest Berlin um, come about? Like, do you want to share with us a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an origin story. I think that I think a lot of people found things along the same the same lines that I do, where I kept saying to people, "Someone should do this. Someone should do this. Why doesn't anyone do this?" And it just kept not happening. And then I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be the one. I, I actually have to do it." And so the first year, I just I had you know I found a date. I found a venue. And I just put it together myself in five, six weeks from the website. I was writing legal documents, you know, uh, for contracts with sponsors. I was putting the whole thing together. And, um, and it just worked and people just got excited. You just take like podcast, festival, Berlin, and you stick those words together and people are like, yeah, that sounds great, let's do it. And I don't think I've ever, I've ever gotten as much attention off of just the words alone of, of a thing I had created, you know, it's like, what's the log line? I don't need a log line. I don't, it's all right there. (laughs) Um, you know, so it's, it's, it was really fun and really successful and just, you know, something that just keeps growing and people get excited about. And, and it was also partially like the pandemic, you know, podcasting was the one thing that could grow and everyone could start and keep going during it and but we never had a physical space and i had friends with podcasts and we didn't talk about that with each other or you know it was sort of because it was their side hustle or it was just a you know maybe it was a, something they you know they didn't need to share and, and so then getting everyone physically together and one of the things i focus on is like live audience recordings because you have this thing like podcasting you're so intimate with your audience and it's so one way you might get a like or a a review or something, but to actually come into a room and see all these people that feel like they love you and know you already. And to watch a podcaster who had never done a live recording do that was one of the best things about the festival. Like They walk in and they're like, oh my gosh, like these people exist. It's not just a void. So that's like something that I really focus on. I think a lot of festivals are kind of about the business of podcasting. And I'm like, it's kind of more about the podcasters and the audience for me.
0: Oh, wow. That would be really incredible to, to like connect with your audience. Cause you know, when, uh, you know, cause I've been doing my kids podcast, um, this is my third year. And every week when you see that number one in different countries, it's just yeah. like, you didn't, cause I have to write these stories. They've never <laughs> seen them in a book. These are brand new and there's no advertising, no budget. And the fact that they love them it just, it's just touches your heart. So I work so hard to give the kids a new story or a dance or meditation and to to just connect, just to connect with like, um, like the kids, because now people are like, Oh, I told my babysitter and they listen to it. They love it. So, but to actually meet the audience, that must be a beautiful, beautiful experience.
1: It's really incredible and like really rewarding. I mean, as much as I love podcasting, i also like people and like and that's really you just don't necessarily get that until you really found a place to 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 join with them and and like let them you know see how it works and and you know get behind the wheel with you a little bit you know if you do a little q a or or find some other way to like even just for them to be able to clap and cheer for like hear a stinger play live that they've heard like a hundred times is i think really fun and um yeah, I am started doing my podcast live because I was the comic relief and I was dealing with these hosts, my co-hosts who I love, but they were trying not to ruin the audio by laughing. Like they're like leaning away from the mic. I'm like, let's get an audience in here. You guys are killing me right now. So, um, and that's just, you know, that's 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 been really, really special. I, and one thing that's interesting in Germany with children's like audio is there's this tradition of the Horspiel, which is like, kind of like radio plays still exist there. And so every kid kind of grows up not listening to not just books on tape, but like, you know, there's actors' voices and sound effects and music. And it's a really rich like audio tradition there that I would love to see grow into podcasting and vice versa. Because I I love I love like radio is so fun to do. There's no limits, you know? You don't have to build a set if you want to be on a spaceship. You're just like, hey, we're on a spaceship, bleep bloop, you know? And and it's like one of my favorite things to write for.
0: Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean you
1: understand.
0: I, I would love a budget for like um the editor and to add the sound effects, you know, because then right. you can do those sci-fi and you have like all that sound effects. So that's yeah, you know, um but when talking so I want to ask you um so um when you when you're there oh yeah, speaking of uh, your favorite singer and singing on there, um you have a film called Universal Lullaby you're currently developing with Funny yeah. from median board Berlin, Brandenburg. So do you wanna tell us a little bit about that yep. and maybe give us a little lullaby? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, that's a project I started with an uh, actor, writer, producer, director named Timo Jakobs. Um, you know, he was someone I met, he was gonna be in a short film I wrote and I can't, I think that's how we first met. And then later his last film was about stand-up comedy and so I worked with him to develop sort of his, you know, his onstage work, and and sort of as a stand-up comedy for film consultant, unofficially. Uh, um, so that was that was how we started working together. And then over the last year or so, um, we've just, you know, had our cafe meetings, and he's just like an unlimited well of ideas, uh, like just just the most it's really fun to work with someone where, you know, you'll never have to be inspired. Like he'll just come in inspired by everything. And then, you know, we, we try, I punch into one story after another, and it's never quite, we didn't quite get it. And then I was at, I was at this musical performance. It was actually part of a, a release party for a new podcast. And it was something that I had gotten to because of the festival. There was a series of musicians playing there and there was amazing, everyone really talented. And then, This woman got on stage and halfway through her first song, I was like, I think I need to go home and write now because this whole film just like exploded into my brain, (laughs) you know, partially from the song she was playing and partially from all these bits and pieces that have been we've been knocking back and forth for the last year. And it just came together in that moment. And I was like, I need to write it now. I don't want to get out my phone and start like jotting notes because this is like this intimate performance. And I almost went home, I was like, No, Dan, if halfway through her first song is this inspiring, let's uh, let's get let's see how what you get by the end. And so that night, you know, I, I said hi to her and then I, I didn't want to bother. Her and I, I went home, wrote everything together, like put it on paper, and then eventually through connections got to go back to that artist and be like, Hey, you know, this song is really not pivotal to the story it's not it inspired it i'm not you know but like let's let's connect let me tell you what i wrote and like that was sort of the first person i pitched it to and, and she she dug it and that was really validating and and now we've got um yeah his uh, team of cups productions funding from um like a the regional film commission and so we get to kind of start moving forward with that and um i don't think i've ever been so excited about anything i've written um but that's literally everything that i've most recently written so (laughs) i'm a bit of a i like i like what's new
0: oh Um, and what genre is that gonna be
1: um it's it's like a it's a dark drama and it's infused with a lot of music to carry it through it's not a musical you know the music's um you know diegetic and non-diegetic but not not it's no one seeing what they're thinking um and uh and it just deals with a lot with her relationships to her family and her work and the world around her and has a strong through line for both that main character um her younger sister who she takes under her wing and then her father who uh did a lot of damage and is trying to do the best he can with what he's got left of his family
0: wow that sounds incredible and so do you want to talk a little bit about like your com- your comedy yeah, yeah. Um,
1: Stand-up was kind of my reintroduction to being an artist after years of kind of being behind the bar, managing restaurants, doing all of these other things, which I loved at the time, but ultimately, like, was probably not who I was supposed to be. And the fact, I think what, what really was intoxicating about stand-up was I could get on stage, and by the time I was off, I had completed my my artistic task you know like it was it's not as hard as making a movie or or publishing a novel but it's like it's done you know and years you know you write screenplays and they go on the shelf they're just instructions for for an artwork but like i had this immediate there's applause and laughter and it's magical and very very intoxicating experience and i did it once And I always tell people, get up, because the first time is easy. You know, There's so much wild chemicals flying through your body and brain, and you're so excited. You're so ready. And it was amazing. And the second time was one of the worst bombs ever. And then by the fifth, you kind of get better again. And then you just spend the next decade figuring out how to do it. Um, Oh, wow. And yeah,
0: it's nice. Do you have a good joke for us?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, like it's funny. I was trying to. You were asking about how I I moved to Berlin, and it's like that's kind of um, hard. It's one of those things I can't talk about because I so you know I have to say that on stage all the time. So what do I, I get up and I say, you know, I'm from America. I moved here um, because of my wife, because um, uh, of her work. Uh, she's a scientist, and in America, that's illegal. So. You know, that's, that's sort of how I open, let them know where I'm coming from. And then, uh, and then we talk about how I had to Google what country uh, appreciates rational thought and that's, you know, then get to Germany and life is good there <laughs> as it turns out.
0: Oh my gosh. That um, sounds so fun. Yeah. yeah. Like that, your comedy experience of stand up sounds fun too. And then, um, can you, do you want to share with, with your podcast? Cause you, um. Uh, you're with Berlin, the, the new show, radio, how do you say it, Spätkopf?
1: Spätkopf, Spätkopf. Spätkopf. Yeah, yeah, so uh, Spätkopf or Spades are the sort of corner stores that are part of the personality of Berlin. It's They're always open. Spate means late, cough means buy. So it's sort of like if you're, I don't know, the bodega culture of New York or your favorite, even your favorite 7-Eleven or Store 24 or whatever your regional version of that is um so they're like kind of a place you know the mailman might drop your packages where you would go to get beer or cigarettes or whatever or or non-alcoholic beverages or non-addictive um you know candies and snacks um and they're just part of what that city is that never sleeps so um we take berlin news and we translate it into english for the people who live there and don't speak or read german and when we started it a long time ago it was incredibly difficult to find out what was going on without speaking the language. Now it's easier, but we get to spend more time focusing on context and analysis and interviews and you know, getting to know the artists and the people who make Berlin an amazing place. I think we're getting some audio bleed from uh several kids out of bed right now.
0: Oh, that's okay. wait um this is like reality podcast here. We have kids, we have dogs, we have, right. uh grandfather clocks chiming. Mean. So I asked you about like so. You also have mother. Do you want to talk about Mother Fudgers and then the Daniel Stern podcast yeah. show? Right. We got to add that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, yeah. Mother Fudgers is uh, a project I did for a while where I was learning to be a father through basically crowd work. Um. So I would it was a stand up show where I talked to the audience about what um, what their um, their experiences were like. Fathers are just kind of like a funny concept. I mean, there's a reason why every sitcom and movie has this same kind of guy there. It's like, what, do we even need these people? Like, I mean, biologically for a couple of seconds. And then, so it, it's amazing. If you, I had a series of interview questions and you ask people about their dads and you just get funny stories, honest, interesting things. And we would do some stand-up, and I would interview the comedian about their dad as well. And um, But, like, more importantly, like, every single time I did that show, I learned real lessons that I could, like, apply to being a father, you know, the next day. Or I started, I think, before I even was a dad. So it was like, you know, that, that humor comes from something that's real, and that reality is something that you can really analyze and find some real lessons in you know I remember the first the first one we had I mean the takeaway the sort of headline of it was like be there and you know I was like okay yeah lesson one be there and let's go from there and see what happens
0: oh that's nice and then what about your own the Daniel Stern podcast
1: yeah oh uh that's um uh Daniel Dern show was actually not uh that was that was another live show I did um, and that was, um, the Stanley Dern show was where I did my weirdest, most experimental stuff on stage. Um, my, my, one of my comedy homes in Berlin is called the Comedy Cafe Berlin. It's sort of a, a black box theater, very improv focused. And the people who would come to see me there and would enjoy what I did were ready for anything. So I had a show once where I had, uh, someone came out and he let the audience know uh he was a character who was he he was doing um oh what's the red-headed singer rock uh uh guy um uh, uh, uh uh oh gosh it doesn't matter the point is he was in character and uh he let them know that i had i had died and they had gotten a bunch of material you know genetic material information to generate a clone and they just needed to cheer and clap, and like that would give the energy for the clone to come back to life. Now, it, as they had come in, there's, there was a blue rain barrel on the stage, which everyone kind of ignored. They knew it would be a prop for whatever later. What was actually going on is from before the audience had opened to when this opening video played, when he introduced the concept, I had been submerged in water breathing through a tube uh, on the stage. So. And to not break the bit, I did swallow, you know, get a little water in my lungs. But after I could hear the chairing, I um, I jumped out of the barrel, mostly naked, <laughs> and started screaming, "What am I? Where am I? What's going on?" And that was that's the kind of like comedy I was doing on this Daniel Dern show was, you know, um, just getting as weird as possible. I think on that same show, I, I had I had someone shaving my back while uh, doing an impersonation of. Of uh, Scorsese, um, and uh, you know, it was just sort of it would it would get real weird.
0: Avant that oh. guard um fun sounds like a good time it's like yeah because i had like daniel Bletman on and he had this uh he he actually said he was beating up people in the audience with this like uh invention like or this this comedy superhero guy and then, and then i guess like they weren't allowed to do that anymore with the audience <laughs> but um yeah like so you know you comics are like very energetic and and having these great skits um so it's it's fun for the audience because that's what they go they come they go to see something exciting and whether you're a good yeah. talker comedian or you know if it's physical but yeah so so i'm sorry i actually probably said it wrong but staniel dern show so about that yeah uh-huh.
1: yeah so that it was just it was staniel dern show is just my chance to totally do whatever the weirdest dumbest thing because a lot of times i get on stage you know it's me and a mic and i'm doing stand-up and it's i'm a guy talking and saying what i think is funny like a lot of other guys. So that was my chance to just be like I need to get some stuff out of here and uh, yeah. yeah. Get weird and wacky.
0: Yeah, so where can I keep up with you? Like um uh, when when's your pod, when's your podcast Berlin Festival? When's the next right. one?
1: Right. Uh so yep, the Podfest Berlin is July 16th and 17th and that'll be that two days of just tons and tons of podcast stuff. If you're in Berlin, come on over. If you're not, come on over. I mean it's fine. It's a fun city to visit, especially in the summer. My podcast, uh, and you'll find all that at uh, podfestberlin.com. You can learn about me at sterndaniel.com, my um, my Instas, and all of those things you you can you can find there. Um, and it's um, uh, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, what am I, uh, Daniel and Stern? On most things, is is where you'll find me.
0: And then in the summary, I'll, I'll have all your links on your website for our audience. Everyone, and I just we have an amazing audience, and so I know they're going to go check out your your links and social media and um, your comedy. So, um, and anything that you want them to check out, like uh, which podcast do you want them to, to go over and listen to?
1: Um, yeah, if you if you're curious about about uh, Berlin news, check out Radio Spakov. Um it's it's i'm very i'm very proud of what we do there and in particular uh we have an evergreen um sort of short series we did called how to fuck up an airport um it's uh f hashtags but uh, how to fuck up an airport it's about the debacle of building ber airport which is it's just this is one of those things where reality does all the comedy for you
0: oh, amazing and then if they if, can they go online and watch your uh, berlin podcast festival as well
1: um, right now we're focusing on the in-person thing. You'll be able to hear all of the podcasts we record there. We'll be recording somewhere between around 50 different podcasts we'll record live. You'll be able to hear those on all of their various streams. Um, but our focus is like getting people actually physically together. So I'm trying to avoid uh, uh, streaming in Zoom because I think we're all a little burnt out on that at this point, um, two years into a pandemic
0: yeah well i want yeah (laughs) i want to thank daniel yeah daniel stern and um check out podfest berlin and thank you for coming to the show today
1: oh thank you so much this is delightful